The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Karen Smith, a family medicine physician in private practice in Rayford, North Carolina, who's going to talk to us about how to integrate behavioral health care into private practice. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Smith, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, I'm excited because today we're going to talk about not only the whys of behavioral health care integration, but also the how, and specifically around private practice. Let's just first start off the conversation by talking about how you personally initially decided to uh, pursue behavioral health care integration in your own practice. But thank you, Todd, for having me here to share these comments. And um, it's really appreciated uh, to kind of give some insight. But in terms of my own practice, I starts off with a story. I actually had a patient who came in, an uh, older lady um, in her 70s, and we couldn't get her blood pressure under control. And as we were speaking, I, she was taking her medicine. She was following all of our instructions. I said, what else is going on? She says, Dr. Smith, I'm just going to have to share with you. I can't go home because I don't know what's going to happen when I arrive. The last time I went home, my kitchen table was in the driveway. My son, who's been using heroin for over 10 years, has sold the kitchen table to close a drug deal. I am amazingly stressed out. And I was like, there is no pill that is going to take care of the anxiety that this lady was dealing with. And so here we were, we're dealing with generalized anxiety disorder. We're dealing with a family who's now part of a, a substance use disorder problem and individuals who really don't have a lot of money and time to get the services that they were looking for. We had to do this in our own patient-centered medical home. And that's really, those stories like that really said, we have to integrate behavior health in the medical home. That is a, an amazing story and a real perspective check and just a, a really great answer on the, on the why front. Um, integrating behavioral health care can be a, a very different process for private practice than it might be for a larger health system. Talk to us a little bit about the challenges that you encountered and how you've worked through those. Uh, you know, it's the same three issues in terms of the private practice payment, are we gonna be able to get paid for our services? Recognizing that we, we have a lot of skill and education in this area. Administrative burden, the documentation, how do we get that done to make sure that our payment is um, commensurate with the work that we're doing? And then the last part of it was a little bit different in terms of just a respect for the profession. And as a family doctor, we have training in behavior health um, services that we provide to our patients. Well, in a larger system, we're often carved out, meaning we just want you to do chronic disease management. If the patient just happens to start crying because they have depression, you need to send that to another specialty. Well, that's not how we are trained. So when we look at those three areas in terms of the challenges, making sure that we do have respect as a profession, a physician who's able to provide those services from our insurers, don't carve us out, put us back in. Let us be able to provide those services. 
administrative burden, documentation, this is not where we need it. Yeah, we wanna have good documentation and make sure that we're taking care of our patients from the clinical side of it. But when we are checking boxes for the payment side of it, that's administrative burden. And that the other is, you know, we really need to uh, understand that these services requires a full staff, a full team, and it's part of what we do. So those three areas, payment, administrative burden, and just respect as a professional who is able to provide those services. That issue that you talked about in terms of carving out, that's got to be particularly important to a private practice like yours, which is located in a rural area. So that must make it even more important. Did that have a big impact on why you chose to integrate these services into your own practice? Exactly, because when we carve out an air, air in the rural area, where, where are we carving to? Where are the patients <laughs> gonna go to? We can provide the services. We don't have the luxury of multiple psychiatrists or child and pediatric psychiatrists in our area yet our patients are dealing with the same issues. Um, and so for us, it, it does make a difference to provide it in our own medical home that they're comfortable with. And I, I wanna say, I know I'm a rural physician, but when I speak with my colleagues in other underserved areas, even in the inner city and urban areas, they're dealing with the same thing. So it's not necessarily a rural problem, it's more of a physician access problem. Very interesting. Um... Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Private practices right now, um, obviously a lot of attention on the financial and uh, as well. You know, when you think about sustaining a private practice, it's really uh, patient needs and also the business case for the decisions that you make. Um, talk to us a little bit about the business case for integrating behavioral health care uh, in your practice. And you mentioned that, that big word, the P word payment. How's that factor in? It really matters. And when we are part of a value-based payment model. And if we expect to see improved outcome for hypertension, diabetes, other chronic diseases, as well as making sure that our patients are healthy and that they are following along with the medication adherence, that we're decreasing the emergency room utilization, that we're decreasing the increased hospitalization, all of that falls into that shared savings. And that adds into the business model of why we need to pay attention. Yet beyond that, uh, we wanna do the right thing for our patients. We wanna make sure that we are providing those quality services that folks need in order to have happy and healthy lives. And so the business model is there, definitely with value-based payment model, is there even if you're not in a value-based payment model and you want to make sure that your patients are getting the best care in order to decrease their total cost of care. So it's present and it's an area that physicians and private practice maybe haven't paid close attention to. I'll go ahead and throw in social determinants of health. We know drives 70% of health outcomes. And oftentimes mental health disorders and social determinants of health are very well entwined with one another. So it also allows us to achieve elements of health equity. 
Now we hear issues around staffing shortages uh, every day in lots of different settings. Many people probably you know, wouldn't think necessarily about staffing shortages uh, in, in the healthcare space, but we're hearing that from everyone in private practice health systems uh, across the spectrum. Are they still a factor uh, for you? And, and especially as you think about the training involved around this, uh, any challenges there? So staffing shortages continue to be an issue. And with the uh, public health um, emergency with COVID, it, it worsened, it really did. And for our office, the solution was to utilize more of the telehealth platform. Uh, we use a platform for our substance use disorder patients called the recovery platform. And all of that is technology. All of that is telehealth. And it removed the need to have a physical individual to provide those services. It also increased access for our patients. And so, yes, the face-to-face um, -face, uh, shortages is an issue to have behavior health individuals to provide counseling who want to be in our area, and then the payment issues that they run into, that's an issue. So we had to figure out how do we become more efficient, yet still provide those services. And I'll be honest, telehealth was the technology that allowed us to advance in this area. Uh, you know, kind of along those lines, when you think about the before and after of any kind of system level change, I'm curious when you would kind of think about those two things before behavioral health integration and after, how's this impacted uh, you, your patients, and your staff? The workflow with the, the new changes that we put in place really does, it makes dif a difference. And I, and I will say it's not one of just, okay, I'm going to integrate uh, behavior health into my system well, you do have to change your workflow. It is a little bit different. And because we were so involved with telehealth, we had to change how we were doing things. For example, our patients with uh, urine drug screening who were treating for opiate use disorder. Well, yeah, we could do the whole meeting, our whole um, office visit on telehealth, but how do I do the urine drug testing? And that meant we had to figure out a schedule to have patients come in and and so it does require us to make some modifications and making sure that the staff understood how to use that technology. So the workflow does change, um, but it changed to create efficiency. How would you advise other physicians out there who are thinking about integrating behavioral health care into their practices and just don't know where to start or going to possibly run into some of the other big roadblocks that you did? Well, the first thing that I would say is study your population. It really, know what, what is your data? The anecdotal stories are wonderful. We all have them. We have stories as doctors, but where is the data to support your stories so that you know how much of an impact is undiagnosed or untreated conditions are playing a role in terms of your ability to provide good care for your patients? But that's your baseline. Once you decide um, and look at those common presentations, is it depression, is it anxiety, is it substance use disorder? So create your baseline. And then at that point, look at the different strategies that are available with all of our associations in terms of how do you now provide the best care for those individuals? And then look at your workflow, pull your team together and start your plan plan, do, study, act, 
in terms of how am I going to now address the needs of these individuals that have been identified in my patient population? And then we look at our performance. Are we making a difference? And I'll also throw in there, look at your surrogate markers. So for us, one of the ones that we're looking for is taking high blood pressure uncontrolled from just controlled blood pressure and getting rid of the severe, um, severity of hypertension. And so those are our markers that we're paying attention to for clinical outcome. Oh, uh, I'm curious. You've got your behavioral healthcare integration up and running. Uh, and when you think about practices kind of getting in that foundation there, what, what are kind of the next steps in the evolution uh, to meet needs as they, they change or grow? You know, I think our next steps is because we have um, been able to review the population data. What other resources are beyond the doors of the office that we can address? Um, do we need other uh, support groups like Celebrate Recovery, AA? Um, what about the health department? What other services do folks need? In our state, we also have the ability of using something called NC Care 360 where we can access resources for people who need it, who, uh, food deserts, um, housing issues. Um, the, all of this plays into the mental health problems that we're seeing. And so we are now looking at what's beyond the doors of the office where we know we can't always affect the change, but can we guide and direct our patients and maybe improve the outcome for their mental health problems? Dr. Smith, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your perspective and your learnings. I hope uh, everybody out there finds uh, your experience to be really helpful as they think about integrating behavioral health into their own practices. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Um, want to let you know that the AMA offers a lot of different resources to help physician practices, including private practice, adopt behavioral health integration, including strategic practice guides, webinars, and BHI uh, a compendium. So you can find the links to all of these resources and more in the description of this episode, as well as if you just search BHI on the AMA's website. We'll be back soon with another movie medicine video and podcast and make sure you don't miss great episodes like this. Hit subscribe there on your YouTube channel or check out all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.